Hello everyone, I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Her Story, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Sitting next to me on this beautiful Tuesday is Ichablad Turnbuckle. Howdy, howdy. How's everyone doing today? (laughs) All right. I think we have to take care of a little bit of business before we get into the Her Story lesson today, right, Icky? Yeah, we do have some business to Just to, to a get little into. business. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have a shiny new website. No, 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 no. <laughs> Head over to www.ofherstory.com. There we post sources from our research, links to social media, photos, merchandise information, updates, and so much more. Please check it out. Absolutely get all your information and check out the latest updates and catch up on what we're doing. Yeah. And I worked really hard on it, so please go visit it. She did. She worked hard on everything, <laughs> but this was very much this was something an she worked on. <laughs> so back to our episode. I hope you have a good one today for me. I do. Side note, if we sound a little funny, it's because we are recording in a different place than we usually are with a different mic setup than usual so you haven't lost your mind we do sound a little different today switching things up a little bit you know keeping things light and fun for the summer (laughs) so i hear you have a good one for me today is that true i do today we're going to be talking about jewel plumber cobb she is basically a science superhero i don't want to spoil anything so let's just get right into it please Jewel Plummer Cobb was an only child born on January 17, 1924 in Chicago, Illinois to parents Frank and Carrie Bell, she goes by Cole, and she ended up being third generation to pursue a medical science career in her family. Her grandfather, a freed slave, started the family's passion for medical science when he graduated from Howard University in 1898 and became a pharmacist. Talk about making moves. Her father, Frank, graduated from Cornell University and became a physician. I always think about Andy from The Office whenever I hear anything about Cornell. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You mean Cornot. No, good for them, though. She has a, that's a hardworking family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During his time at Cornell, he helped found the Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. He instilled in Jewel at an early age that the most important thing in life is making life better for the people around you. He lived and breathed this sentiment. The first practice that he set up was on a corner where a streetcar had a transfer point for stockyard workers. The stockyard workers were primarily men and women of color. Frank knew that placing the practice at this location meant that the workers could use their transfer time to visit his office for medical treatment without having to take off of work or pay extra transportation fees en route to a doctor. Isn't that amazing? Wow. The fort, like Smart just man. The, the thought of making sure he set up a practice that would be accessible to people who don't usually have access easily. At Looking least. out for the little people. Yeah. You know? Her mother, Cole, was a dance instructor and physical education teacher. She worked closely with the Works Project Administration in the 1930s. 
This was an American New Deal agency employing millions of job seekers, mostly unskilled men, to carry out public works projects, including the construction of public buildings and roads. Jewell talks about being acutely aware of racism while growing up, dealing with segregation in Chicago. Even though they lived in primarily white neighborhoods, she went to Chicago's black public schools. Because of gerrymandering, it was difficult for black men and women to get a good high school education. She utilized her father's library, scientific journals, magazines, current event periodicals, and materials on successful African Americans to fill in the gaps on topics she wasn't being taught in school. Yeah, that represent representation is so important, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like if you're not getting it at an early age, it's very hard to get out of, like, a certain kind of mindset, mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Someone to look up to. People exactly. look up to. And on that, she made sure that she was connecting with local African-American professionals to have a network of mentors that she could consult for guidance. Jewel thought for the longest time that she wanted to be a physical education teacher like her mom and aunt until she was in her sophomore year of high school. In biology, they were studying cells through a microscope and she was hooked. Her family had a cottage in Idlewild, Michigan, where a lot of well-to-do black families vacationed during the summer months. She always loved the trips to Michigan, so when it was time to decide on a university, she quickly selected Michigan University that already had a sizable black student population. Upon her arrival, her feelings of excitement immediately faded. All black students, no matter their year of study, were forced to live in one dormitory. They weren't allowed to take certain classes or major in certain fields. Many of the popular restaurants and bars surrounding the university didn't serve black patrons, and most of the sororities and fraternities didn't accept black students. I hate that. I, that's... It's ridiculous, the fact that, like... She, people weren't allowed to pursue certain majors or take certain classes because they were seen as less than or different than. Ugh. It's it makes me so mad. Yeah, so much potential for all these kids, and they can't even exercise, exactly. Yeah, you know, sweat. Jewel was disgusted by the rampant racism that plagued the university, and she had lost hope of ever fully studying biology there. Hilda Davis, the Dean of Women at Talladega College in Alabama, encouraged Jewel to transfer so that her talents could be fully realized. After just three semesters, Jewel left the University of Michigan. Talladega College, a traditionally black school, unfortunately didn't accept any of her University of Michigan credits. So she had to enter the school as a freshman. That's obnoxious. I know, I hate that. That's so annoying. That's the worst. She's such a tough person for, for wanting to do that a second time. Mm -hmm. And she, all took this, over again. she took this as a welcomed challenge and took an accelerated program. This included private tutors, summer sessions, and testing out of many of the required classes once she arrived. In stark contrast to her professors in Michigan, her teachers at Talladega were enthusiastic about her potential in biological research. In 1944, on time, Jewel graduated from Talladega with a BA in biology. This was nowhere near the end of her journey. She had so much more to do. 
Jewel applied to NYU for a graduate degree. She was accepted because, of course, she was. But she knew that the only way she could attend was with some sort of financial assistance. She applied to be a teaching fellow and was subsequently rejected because of her race. Jewel was simply not going to accept that. Messed up. She personally visited NYU and took a meeting with the head of the fellowship committee. Good. By the end of their meeting, she had a five-year teaching uh, Hey, there you go. Her credits were undeniable. She just needs to be in the room. Some of these people just need to be in the room, and then it's just, you know, yeah. they get the opportunity. And exactly. it's not fair that they don't even get the chance. To. Yeah, because they're just immediately rejected. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. In 1945, she started her career in teaching as a fellow. Two years later, in 1947, she earned her MS in Cell Physiology. Three years later, she earned her PhD in Cell Physiology from NYU. Her dissertation was titled, Mechanisms of Pigment Formation. In it, she characterized, now, (laughs) here comes some science terms that I probably am gonna butcher. Uh, So, uh, welcome. Here we go. In it, she characterized tyrosinase, 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 (laughs) an enzyme required for melanin synthesis. Melanin being the pigment responsible for underlying variation in human skin tone. She studied it in vitro, which is in test tubes. Jewel was named an independent investigator for the Marine Biological Laboratory in 1949. She completed her postdoctoral fellowship at the Cancer Research Foundation of Harlem Hospital and at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. Nice. Preferring a theoretical approach to biology instead of pathological, Jewel knew she wanted to go into the research field instead of the usual trajectory of applied medicine on on patients. She wanted to understand the action and interaction of living cells instead of molecular biology, which is atoms and molecules making up cells. She had a particular interest in tissue cultures, finding which cells grew outside the body. We're gonna have a science lesson today, you guys. I'm very excited. I did excited. some re I did deep dive research into this, so I'm really excited. <laughs> From 1952 to 1954, Jewel was a fellow at the National Cancer Institute. Here she directed the tissue culture laboratory at the University of Illinois. It was the very first tissue culture-based lab at that medical school. Very few scientists in the early 1950s were even trained to deal with this sort of cellular exploration. It's impressive, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. She then moved on to work for NYU and Hunter College in New York. Jewel stayed at NYU from 1956 to 1960 as an assistant professor in research surgery. In 1960, she became a professor at Sarah Lawrence College and continued her research there until 1969. Here, she worked mainly with melanoma. Melanoma is skin tumors created by ultraviolet light, harmful to skin cells that can result in skin cancer. She focused on skin pigment and how melanin can protect skin from ultraviolet damage like skin cancers and melanomas. 
Um, I have the most sensitive skin that ever was. I have negative melanin. I step outside for 15 minutes and I'm sunburnt. You have quite an opposite reaction in yes, the Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> and it's very impressive the work that she was doing. Oh my gosh. You know. It's really incredible. Jewel studied the difference between normal and cancerous pigment cells. She specifically studied neoplastic pigment cells and their development, exploring how hormones, chemotherapeutic drugs, and other agents can cause changes in cell division. She experimented with comparisons between how chemo drugs performed in cancer patients and how they performed in vitro. And in vitro is when the cells are studied outside of the body, as I mentioned earlier in uh, like flasks and test tubes, which um, made me think of our uh, Erlenmeyer flask tobacco <laughs> with X-Files. So there's an episode of the X-Files, we are um, in a deep dive, called the Erlenmeyer flask. And um, we're watching there, we're watching us. <laughs> And the whole episode, we're waiting for a flask of, like, liquor to show up. This is the end of season one. I'm so sorry for this pop culture reference. We're just going to start doing pop pop culture references every ten minutes. Uh, It's the only way we know that you guys are fully engaged and laughing. (laughs) Just to keep you guys awake. Here's a joke from TV. Oh, my gosh. Back to Jewel. Because she's way more intelligent than we are. She's uh, doing very good work. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, it's very interesting, though, to see the kind of breakthrough that they mm-hmm. that she was able to, just from what you've said so far. Yeah. The experiments she was conducting in collaboration with Jane Wright were some of the earliest forms of translational medicine. Their findings were published in 1957 in the New England Journal of Medicine. The title read as follows investigation of the relation between clinical and tissue culture response to chemotherapeutic agents on on human cancer. A little bit of a mouthful. You know, there's a lot to process there, but I, I'm, I'm following you. I'm right there with you, please. <laughs> the study was a clinical and tissue culture-based observations of 40 patients of 40 patients representing 18 distinct types of cancer. Of the 40, 26 reacted similarly to in vivo and in vitro treatment. So in vivo is like inside body. Mm -hmm. Uh, The tissue culture-based system predicted 65% of patient responses, which is very interesting. Piggybacking off of the success of this study, Cobb and Wright got straight to work on more cancer research. In this study, they profiled the in vitro sensitivity of 188 different patient tumor samples to a panel of chemotherapy agents. Jewel studied not just cancerous tumors, but benign tumors, as well as healthy non-tumor tissue. Controls of this kind weren't normally performed in early tissue culture studies, which seems crazy to me that you wouldn't compare to, like, a healthy tissue, but I guess it wasn't just regularly thought of. Yeah, maybe they weren't doing... Maybe they didn't think about that sort of relationship up until she Mm -hmm. brought it up, which, I mean, you know, more power to her. (laughs) Well, contemporary scientists consider inclusion of non-cancerous tissue as essential part of any experiment, but in the 1960s, it was difficult to establish human cell cultures. Cancer cells are easier to grow because many cancers contain mutation that are predisposed to cell proliferation. 
Healthy cells were a different speciality entirely. In short, she was a visionary and a genius. In this particular study, they found that cancer cells with more melanin survived in vitro radiation experience. Uh, sorry, um, in vitro radiation experiments, while lightly pigmented cells from the same tumor did not. This was the first evidence for the UVA UVB shielding properties of melanin. This explains the large disparity in cancer and skin cancer rates among people with dark and light skin. Isn't that wild? Can you imagine being the one to discover that? And that's also like not that long ago. No, (laughs) no. Yeah, that's very recent. I feel like, but I guess maybe they weren't. I just wasn't even on the radar in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. More power to her though. Again, for that scientific breakthrough (laughs) that she, you know, she came into the game. Oh yeah. Moving away from the field of continuous research, Jewel became the Dean of Connecticut College of New London from 1969 to 1976, where she also taught zoology. Wow. She's just doing whatever she wants. She, she's was, she so went to smart. school and educated herself for like, you know, a good portion of her life and then is helping these students now. Yeah. Mm. During her time there, from 1973 to 1976, she was a member of the National Science Board. Here, she chaired a conference of 30 minority women scientists to provide recommendations to schools, policymakers, and the U.S. government on how to recruit more women of color into the sciences. Excellent. One of her most famous publications was written and published during this time. It was called The Double Bind, The Price of Being a Minority Woman in in Science. Excellent. Yeah. She established a privately funded program for minority students in pre-med and pre-dental studies and extended the opportunities to women of all races. In 1976, Jewel made a tough decision. She could go back to focusing on her research, or she could continue the path she is currently on and transition into administrative positions full-time. She chose the administrative route. Even though it was very tough for her to leave research behind, she knew her calling was to help further educational facilities and opportunities for those interested in the sciences. Jewel took a position at Douglas College, which was the women's college at Rutgers University. She served not only as a professor of biological sciences, but also as the dean. Three years into her time there, she wrote a paper, Filters for Women in Science, that was published in the book Expanding the Role of Women in Sciences and then reprinted in Annals of New York Academy of Sciences. The paper was an analogy between educational systems and filters. Educational systems made it difficult, if not impossible, for women to choose a career in the field of science. The way a filter stops anything bigger than the size of its pores, educational systems along with uh, with social systems created a mindset where women were discouraged from studying math and science and were in turn often barred from getting into university tenure and equal pay if they entered those fields. Jewel was always on the move, gravitating to where she felt she could do the most good. And in 1981, she took a position as president of Commuter School, California State University at Fullerton. 
While here, she secured state funding for a new science building, a new engineering building, and a new computer science building. Wow. She is doing work. I'm glad that she went there and brought all the, you know, was able to get all those resources for mm-hmm. them. I'm glad that she took the administrative route because she she knows how to advocate for those who are needing the assistance. Yeah, it sounded like they needed them if she got them all those things. She also had an apartment complex built on campus to end Fullerton's status as a commuter college. Jewel must have been an incredibly persuasive person because she was also able to secure private funding to establish a gerontology center in Orange County. What's your best guess on what gerontology is? I didn't even think you were going to let me guess straight up. I have no idea. Um, no, I have no idea. No idea? No guess? No guess. It is the science, or it is the study of old age, process of aging, and geriatric, geriatric. Mm -hmm. and specific old people problems. Mm -hmm. You just had a birthday, old man. This one's for you. Yep. Thank you very much. (laughs) Appreciate that. Nikki appreciates that. (laughs) Fast forward almost a decade to 1990. Jewel took the position of trustee professor at California State University, LA. Pop quiz. How many schools has she now been on staff? Five. More. Seven. More. Ten. Eight. Damn. (laughs) It is clear that Jewel was determined to help young people interested in the fields of science. She increased diversity among faculty and students while at Fullerton. She started the President's Opportunity Program for Minority Students after noticing an imbalance between minority students in sports versus research. This program consisted of teams of faculty members that would tutor math skills. She believed that a solid foundation in math helps prepare one for a career in science. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. She spent the majority of her time starting minority students on the path of science that she went on. She worked with six colleges to find funding for minority grants Man. and fellowships. And if government funding was ever reduced, she worked to find private funding. A key belief that was stowed upon her as a child was that education is a key factor in determining whether someone will be successful and independent or encounter failure. We need more people like her in life. Oh my gosh. There are not enough role models and figures uh, who are doing that kind of work, and I am being very explicit in taking shots at people who are not doing um, a good job in society in trying to... Uh, be a better role model and a better future, you know, to, to help. People to yeah, go to on, inspire. On path, we have yeah. much less inspiration from the from from the older generations now, and it's very much a letdown. It's it's interesting, you know, looking at she she really was out there making sure that she could do what she, she do whatever was, she could to to bring out the opportunities that she was so fortunate she talked she used to talk about it all the time how fortunate she was that she was brought up the way she was and and with yeah. the with the um just the the work ethic and the type of people she was raised by really helped her so she wanted to be that person for all these other she people. She is a selfless individual, and there are so many more selfish individuals this day and age that 
um, you know, we have to start looking at the at the newer generations to kind of help, mm-hmm. you know, inspire because the older generation is absolutely just letting us down on multiple fronts. Yeah. And it is just, you know, it's, unexcusable. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Bad. Yeah. Bad role models. It's not great. In an interview with Black Enterprise, she said, There's been a deprivation of certain educational experiences that would give young people a proper boost and encouragement to study science. I don't think there's anything wrong with black children's ability to learn. It is a matter of being stimulated, having a curiosity about science early on, and developing the commitment and discipline to study. Do you think she's done being amazing? No, do you absolutely think there, there, there couldn't possibly anything else to add? No, there's so much. But more. to be fair, I do see a couple more pages in your hand, <laughs> so I'm absolutely cheating when I say that. And I know we have at least about two more pages worth of information. In 1991, she became the principal investigator at Southern California Science and Engineering Access Center and Network. This organization helps middle school and high school students that are economically disadvantaged pursue careers in engineering, mathematics, and the sciences. In 1993, Jewell received the Lifetime Achievement Award. The National Academy of Science said that the advancement of women and underrepresentation minorities that she was able to achieve was deserving enough alone, not to mention her research in her early career. Her photo hangs on the Academy wall, reserved for distinguished scientists only. In 2001, she was named Principal Investigator for Science Technology Engineering Program, which is Step step Up for Youth Ascend Project at California State University, LA. So let's chat about honorary degrees. How many do you think she has? 10. Wrong. You'll never guess. 21. She has 21. That actually was my second guess. <laughs> you didn't even let me try. Among the honorary degrees are six doctorate of science degrees from Pennsylvania Medical College, Medical College of Pennsylvania, which right. I didn't realize were two different things, but they apparently are, North uh, Northern University, Rensselaer, <laughs> Sorry, Polytechnic Institute, Rutgers University, and Tuskegee University. She was a member of the Human Resource Commission, National Academy of Sciences, Institute of Medicine, and the National Science Foundation. She was a fellow of the National Cancer Institute and the New York Academy of Science and on the Allied Corporation's Board of Directors. So she did everything. She's at just the same done time. everything ever. Perfect. Good. <laughs> From 1972 to 1974, Jewel was a member of the Tissue Culture Association of Education Committee. She received research grants from the American Cancer Society from 1971 to 1973 and from 1969 to 1974. She developed and directed a fifth-year post-baccalaureate pre-medical program. <laughs> I'm listing off all her accomplishments because she's amazing. You could have just spent the whole episode talking about all the <laughs> achievements and we would have learned the exact same. Would have been In good. 1972, she was a member of the Marine Biological Laboratory. In 1973, she was on the board of trustees for the Institute of Education Management. 
and after she retired, Fullerton named her president and professor of biological science emerita. I would want someone like her who's put together and intelligent to be in charge of all these things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She wrote articles, books, and scholarly reports. She was a recipient of an Achievement in Excellence Award for Excellence in Education and the Reginald Wilson Award from the American Council on Education, Office of Minorities in Higher Education. Jewell shared that her struggles as an African-American female made her feel like racism and sexism were challenges that made it tougher for those like her to succeed, and she was determined to share her success. P.S. She married Roy Cobb, an insurance salesman. They had a son, Jonathan Cobb, in 1957, and then they divorced in 1967. That's a nice thing, but, you know, she accomplished so much, too. (laughs) Jewel Plummer Cobb died on January 1st in 2017 at 92 years old. She had a lot of life to live. Oh, my gosh. She had a lot to give. a life. Wow. And here is a quote from her. I think I'd like to be remembered as a black woman scientist who cared very much about what happens to young folks, particularly women going into science. And I am pleased to say that that is exactly how you are remembered, Jewel. Rest in power because you are just incredible. And it's, it's inspirational. Oh my gosh. Researching. Motivational. Is, oh my, right? Her family is such a great family. Yeah, they raised her well, and they, you know, they had a, she had a good support system, Mm -hmm. and she did so much for, you know, future generations, you know, she passed down not only knowledge, information, but, you know, motivation, you know, the ability to let other people know that they can do it just like her, Mm -hmm. and that goes further than money. Oh my gosh, right, she really so easily could have not done that. She, there's just, back to kind of what you were saying earlier, is that, like, so, so many people in these positions should not, either just should, are not the right people to be in these types of positions. Um, they don't have the best interest of all those around. In mind, it's really quite obvious <laughs> that that is the case. Um, and be this person for everybody but the fact that i mean 92 years old and she just did so much yeah that's a great it's it's a great lineage you know it's a great life to have what a legacy yeah Mm -hmm. legacy yeah thank you all so much for listening today tune in this friday for an interview with broadway's jenny harney fleming you might know her from a little thing called hamilton and american musical she talks about the Hamilton family, representation, being a new mother, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review so that we can inspire more and more people every week. You can follow us on Twitter at... At the Her Story Pod. Instagram. At Women of Her Story Podcast. You can send us an email to Women of Her Story Podcast at gmail.com. And you can visit our website at, at www.ofherstory.com. Until Friday, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of.
This is a New York Glitch production. Bye -bye. You are the worst. <laughs>